Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a difference in our community. Now, I want to make sure that people understand we we don't turn a blind eye to the challenges that we have in our community, of which there are many, but instead we focus on the good things that people are doing to help with the challenge and how they're making a positive impact for others. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you have a child or if you have a heart for children. Today's show may be one of those topics that may be a little hard to listen to, especially as we share some overwhelming statistics. But as I mentioned, choose to focus instead on the great work that's being done to make a difference for each child and family struggling with this challenge. That's what we're highlighting today. Every year in the United States, there are about 15,000 children between the ages of birth and 19 years of age who are diagnosed with cancer. Approximately 1 in 285 children will be diagnosed before their 20th birthday. With leukemia, which is cancer of the bone, marrow, and blood, being the most common at about 28%. Cancer is the leading cause of death by disease in American children, resulting in the death of approximately 1,800 children every year. Now, again, we don't share these statistics to scare or depress you, but rather to draw attention to the need for people like our guests who will take a stand and make it a priority to take on this challenge and do something about it. My first guest today is Lauren Giuliani, Service Line Executive Director for Children's Wisconsin Mac Fund Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders. Welcome to the show today, Lauren. Thank you, Jill. You're welcome. So can you start today by sharing why you were involved with Children's Wisconsin, the Mac Center Fund, the Mac Fund Center, excuse me? Absolutely, Jill. Thank you. You know, I've been with Children's for over 20 years, which is really rare these days for someone in the millennial generation. And although our work at the hospital is hard, like you mentioned, it's how Children's Wisconsin lives our values. And those values are purpose, collaboration, integrity, health, and innovation. And that's what keeps me and so many of my colleagues at Children's working here for so long. Mm. You know, beyond Children's Wisconsin's amazing mission and values, back in 2014, I went from being just a hospital employee to the mom of a critically ill child who was hospitalized at Children's. And I felt my world turn upside down in a moment. Mm. I never expected to be that person who was helpless to save my own daughter. And Children's Wisconsin did that, just that for us. They saved her life. Mm. And in so doing, they saved my life and the dreams of what my family would be. So not only am I an employee, but I personally have been carried from despair to hope because of Children's Wisconsin. And I felt helpless, you know, handing over the most precious person in my life, my newborn daughter, into someone else's hands, not knowing if she'd ever be returned to mine. And 
I felt the amazing power of an organization who prioritizes best and safest care and empathic loving clinicians, so, and it changed me. Mm. So Children's Wisconsin to me isn't just a hospital, it's a vocation and a calling. And I'm honored every day to be part of that, the net that catches, supports, and heals other families in their time of need. Mm. And isn't that awesome that you were where you needed to be mm. at just the right time? Right. You know? Yes. That's, that's amazing. You talk about um, handing your child over and not knowing if she's going to be returned to you. I cannot, I cannot personally imagine. I have three children of my own um, who had healthy childhoods, but knowing that there are families that go through these challenging times, um, what an absolute blessing that there were people there to walk with you through that challenge. Tell us what Children Wisconsin's history and mission is, and how did it become the highest-ranking childhood cancer program in the state? You know, Children's Wisconsin began in 1894, when seven sisters raised enough money to rent a house out on Brady Street in Milwaukee, where they had 10 beds just for kids. And it was the first hospital in the state to be focused on kids' health care back in the 1800s. And, you know, demand for pediatric care or, or children's care grew, and we became a cornerstone community service in the, in the city. And we moved to a few different locations within Milwaukee. So over the past 129 years, we've grown from 10 beds to nearly 300 in our current mm. locations. And our service ranges from hospitalized care. I think a lot of people know that. They see the building when they're driving past the expressway. Mm-hmm. You know, they think about hospitalized care, but we also have foster care and adoption, violence prevention to pediatric surgery. You know, we're there for everything a kid needs from well baby visits in your primary care office to caring for cancer when a family receives that, that devastating diagnosis. And so childhood cancer is what I'm here to talk about today. And Children's Wisconsin, as you said, has the largest and highest ranked childhood cancer program in the state of Wisconsin. And I'll acknowledge, sometimes it's uncomfortable to think about something like childhood cancer. Childhood is supposed to be a time for play, sports, mm-hmm. <laughs> giggles, yeah. fun, um, not chemotherapy or surgery or pain, but it happens. And so here are some high level statistics about this class of diseases. So childhood cancer is not just one disease. It's made up of a dozen types and countless subtypes. So you may be familiar with some, and you mentioned some earlier, leukemia. That is the most um, uh, frequent childhood cancer. There's also things called neuroblastoma or glioblastoma. That's when there's cancer in the brain. There are 700 new children diagnosed with cancer every single day, and childhood cancer spares no age, ethnicity, social factors. Because the causes of most childhood cancers are unknown and are not strongly linked to lifestyle or environmental risk factors, unlike many adult cancers. You hear about people making lifestyle choices, and then maybe later on in their life they might have lung cancer. And although that is still very tragic, you kind of understand why that might be that person's path. Right, right. But in a child with cancer, something flipped in the switch of a genetic code, not by anyone's fault. And then one of their cells started a chain reaction of events that are now classified as cancer. And the unfortunate reality is that childhood cancer is the leading cause of death by disease in children under the age of 15 in the United States. Hmm. And again, I shared before that, um, you know, some of the things that we talk about on the show are tough to hear. But we want to uh, highlight people on the show that are understanding that the challenges exist. 
mm-hmm. and trying to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the wonderful thing that I see, you know, at all the great things that Children's Wisconsin is doing. Tell us how parents can recognize the the early signs of childhood cancer. Absolutely. So um, to your point earlier, though, I do want to talk about, you know, how hard it is to be in this business. And, and I tell my colleagues and, and my friends who say, you know, why do you, why do you work in childhood cancer? And I say, you know, I cry most days. And if I ever stop crying, that's when I need to leave the business. Because mm. people who care for kids with cancer, we have to be empathic and understanding that bad things can happen in the world. But we focus on the good things that we bring forward. Yeah, and that brings tears too, tears right. of joy, right? right? You know, when you find that uh, that someone um, is doing so much better than they were prior to right. getting uh, care. So yes. yeah, there's tears of joy in there yes. as well. Absolutely. Uh, so go ahead and share the signs, just in case somebody's listening and, yeah. and they're curious about that. Absolutely. So the warning signs of childhood cancer can be as varied as the type of cancer the child has. So some are solid tumors, so actually a bunch of cells that form a lump or a tumor, and others are cancers within the blood, so that the symptoms are a little bit different. Possible signs of uh, cancer in children are unusual lump or swelling or unexpelled paleness or loss of energy, easy bruising or bleeding or ongoing pain in one area of the body. Something unique to some children's uh, cancer uh, symptoms are limping or inability to walk. Oftentimes, we've also learned to listen to a caregiver's intuition. Mm -hmm. So not just this is what they're presenting with, but many of our diagnoses start out with a parent saying, I don't know what it is, but I just feel something wasn't right. And they're acting not like my typical child. And sometimes, unfortunately, those parents are right. Well, the the next question I have is is treatment. And that might mm-hmm. be a a tough thing to answer. But, you know, how do you, how do you treat it then or at least a, attempt to? Yeah. Well, a child's cancer treatment journey is determined by the type of cancer that they have. So if it's a solid tumor, surgery can be used to remove it from their body. But there's also chemotherapy, and many people have heard about that um, treatment in adults, and it's used in in children too. So it's a powerful medication that targets quickly dividing cells or the cancer cells. And then there's radiation, which is used to get rid of cancer cells in a child's body. So those are the three kind of main types that we've known about for years and years. But within the literal last few years, it's been such an incredible time. We've added a new category of agents to help remove cancer from a child's body, and that's called cellular therapy or immunotherapy. And like I said, it's such an exciting field because we can actually take some cells or a blood from a cancer patient, process it in a lab, and make the child's own immune system, so what we have naturally in our body, smarter so that it attacks the cancer cells. And then we take those cells, give them back to the child, and their own immune system fights the cancer. Oh, amazing. Amazing what yeah. we can do. Amazing what our bodies can do, right? Amazing. When it's given you know, some good things. Yes. Wow. How do you help kids understand their cancer journey? Yeah. Well, when a child has cancer, it's important to remember that it's not just the child, but the entire family and support system that's thrust into an unexpected journey. So it's essential that caregivers are educated on treatment options so they make informed decisions about what's best for the child. But how do you explain cancer? to a child. So Jill, I'm going to ask you a question. When you were in kindergarten learning the letters of the alphabet, how did you remember all 26 letters? Did you study note cards and get quizzed on what shapes were what letter and in what order? 
Usually or a song. Did you learn a song? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if we didn't like our viewers and our listeners, we would sing it for you because you probably still remember <laughs> it, but we do, so so we'll spare the audience. And I have a cold, so, you know, my voice is not on today. <laughs> right. But the song helped you learn and understand the concepts that are diff- that there are different letters, what those letters are and what orders they go in. And so that's called something about working with developmental um, appropriateness. So just like you learn through a song, we help kids learn about their disease through play. Okay. So this is something very unique and essential about childhood cancers and why it's important for kids to get treatment at pediatric hospitals. We have a, a role called child life specialist to help children understand their diagnoses. So let's say we have a five-year-old newly diagnosed patient with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And in this cancer, some of the child's white blood cells aren't acting right. And there's too many of the white blood cells. So I don't know that a five-year-old understands that there's more of one type of cell in the blood, um, much less making them feel sick. So what we do is we take a bunch of red and white beads to represent the red and white blood cells. In one bag, we have a normal mix of red and white blood cells, and that bag is used to represent a healthy person's blood. In another bag, we put a mix of more white blood cells or more white beads than red to represent a person's blood who has leukemia. And so using that play, those, those tactile beads, the visual representation, we help understand or the child understand what might be going on in their body and why they need to come to the hospital to get treatment. But what about a child who needs chemotherapy or to get special device called a port inserted into their chest so we can give them medicines? Well, we use teaching dolls. So literally take a doll that you could go buy it at the local store and we insert the medical device into that doll so the child can see and feel and play with that device and understand what it will be like to have one in their own body. So all children, healthy or not, we know, learn through the world of play. That's why play is so powerful and important. And we take that knowledge and adapt and explain disease and procedures to children using that information. Fascinating. I think that's awesome. The world of play, learning mm-hmm. through play, that's all good. Well, we we need to take a break. I know we just have so much, so many great things to share, but we need to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to learn about a... Uh, a story, an impactful story that will tug at your heart. Um, And then we're going to hear a little bit more about some clinical, or we're going to hear about some clinical trials and what's involved in them. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking in the second segment today with Lauren Giuliani, Service Line Executive Director for Children's Wisconsin Mac Fund Center. So, Lauren, share with us an impactful story, something that really um, tugged at your heart, other than your own personal story, I'm sure. Absolutely, yes. You know, every child who's treated at Children's Wisconsin has a unique, powerful, valuable story, and I wish I could share them all with you and give voice to their experiences. But today I want to share Evie's story. So Evie was born in 2021 in the height of the pandemic, but she was absolutely perfect. Ten perfect fingers, ten pudgy toes. And at a few weeks old, Evie's parents started noticing a weird rash or bumps on Evie's skin. Evie's rash uh, got worse, so she went to a dermatologist or a skin doctor, and that dermatologist took a biopsy of the rash. And that biopsy led to baby Evie and her family's lives taking a very unexpected turn. 
at just one month old of age, Evie's family hears the words, your baby has cancer. Hmm. They learn that the term acute myeloid leukemia or AML means that their daughter only has a 50% chance of being alive in a few years. They learn their infant needed chemotherapy and they learned that a specific gene mutation their baby had would make it even harder for Evie to fight and win against their cancer. She was high risk. They learned that chemotherapy alone was not uh, able to save their baby's life, so she needed a risky bone marrow transplant at five months old. A bone marrow transplant requires a matched donor to provide healthy cells to baby Evie, and then they learned that no one in their family, nor anyone on the International Bone Marrow Registry, was a match for their baby. No one in the world alone could save baby Evie. Mm. She needed something. She had the odds against her. She needed something new and fast. Evie needed a clinical trial. Mm. Wow. Um, I, ca- I can't even imagine being in that situation. Um, speaking of clinical trials, let's let's um, talk about that. I mean, what what is... A clinical trial and how could that have saved baby Evie's life? Yeah, so everyone's goal in our field is to find the cure to all pediatric cancers. We would love to put ourselves out of business. And finding cures take detailed research to test new ideas on how to cure a cancer. So research for new cures starts with an informed idea that a scientist or clinician tests in a lab. Once the research shows promise in a lab and in mouse models, the idea can be submitted for a clinical trial. Uh, Clinical trials are a type of research that studies new tests and treatments and evaluates their effects on human health outcomes. And we typically have three phases of clinical trials. The first is the first trial. The third is as the research gets more advanced. I want to reinforce that there's a lot of protections for patients built into clinical trials to promote patient safety because each trial is meticulously designed with many reviewers and review from an institutional review board. So some people hear the word clinical trial and they feel like it's experimental or scary, but it's really a very, very important way to treat childhood cancer. Okay. Okay. And then how could that have saved Evie's life? Absolutely. So clinical trials are so important because it can take 6 to 12 years for a drug to move through the clinical trial process and get FDA approval. So imagine that, you know, this year where we are excited about the iPhone 15 that we would actually be working with an iPhone 5 because that was the technology 12 years ago. That's kind of what clinical trials do. They give us access to the newest technology, the newest ideas and the best chance at cures. So three-fourths of the patients at our Children's Wisconsin Program uh, for Cancer and Blood Disorders engage in some sort of clinical trial, whether it be for a treatment study or a registry participation, because clinical trials are how we develop the new. So how did it save baby Evie's life? You're going to love this story. So I'm ex- I love I love love good right. stories. Please, I share. promise it ends beautifully. So I'm oh, excited great. to share that baby Evie just had her second birthday, and oh, she's doing beautifully. Wonderful. We left off her story in a really precarious situation. She had aggressive, hard to treat disease and needed a risky bone marrow transplant to save her life, but there was no donor match in the entire world for her. So one of our incredible physicians, Dr. Julie Talano, had designed a clinical trial in which Evie's mom, who was not a full match, but she was a partial match, um, could be her donor. So mom's bone marrow cells were manipulated in a lab so that we could use the parts of her cells that would cure baby Evie's cancer and minimize the risks of using cells that were not a match for her. 
So Abby's bone marrow transplant was a huge success at five months old. I'm thrilled to share. She just celebrated her second birthday, as I said earlier, and she continues to be in remission and cancer-free. So I'll leave you with a quote from Evie's mom uh, who said, you know, my baby only had a 50-50 shot. Only 50% of babies with this type of cancer survived, but because of research, she's alive now. All the research into the deeper areas of cancer, specifically genetics and transplant alternatives when a DNA, DNA match is not possible, have completely changed the landscape of the disease. We're still only scratching the surface of what Dr. Chilano and others hope to achieve every day, but the type of transplant Evie received saved her life. Mm, that is such a great story. How wonderful. Oh, we're going to celebrate Evie. Uh, everybody that's listening, you're going to have Evie in your mind and mm -hmm. in your prayers, and that's just so awesome, and the work that you guys do is, is wonderful. So maybe somebody's listening and they want to be a part of this mm. process. They want to be a part of saving babies' lives like baby Evie. Um, how can our Milwaukee and Wisconsin community make the most impact to help Evie and, and kids and families like Evie's fighting childhood cancer? You know, that's an excellent question because what we say in our department is no child fights alone. Mm. nobody's in this alone so you know the clinical trial and the machines used to save baby Evie's life could only be purchased with community support and money from from philanthropic organizations because only four percent of national institutes of health research dollars go to researching pediatric cancers four mm. percent wow okay so if we want to save more babies like Evie um, and see them survive and thrive past a cancer diagnosis we rely on our community to help us raise money to find new cures so if you want to learn more, please feel free to follow us on Facebook at Children's Wisconsin Mac Fund Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders or by Googling Mac Fund Center. Oh, awesome. Wow. Lauren, thank you for being here today and sharing uh, all this great information and the inspirational stories. And I hope that uh, our listening audience is inspired and impacted by all the information that you shared today. Thank you. It's my honor. Thank you. Wow, I feel like I feel like I've learned so much already, uh, and I have. But when we return, we're going to learn more about how Lauren and her staff at Children's Mac Fund Center, how they work together with the Mac Fund. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. And my next guest today is Becky Pinter, President and CEO of the MAC Fund, which, in case you don't know, stands for Midwest Athletes Against Childhood Cancer. Welcome to the show today, Becky. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So... My limited knowledge, I understand that the MAC Fund was founded on the court of the Milwaukee Bucks game during halftime in 1976, right before John McLaughlin's retirement. Uh, tell us the rest of the story. I'd be honored to. So John McLaughlin, as you just stated, um, the, that night, December 10th, 1976, they honored him um, by retiring his, his jersey on the arena floor. One of his best friends to this date, Eddie Doucette, um, Eddie's son, Brett, was diagnosed with cancer two years prior to that. They used that night on the arena floor to start what we now know as 
the MAC Fund. So they used that presence, that time of John McLaughlin's retirement to help raise money, much needed money, for pediatric cancer research. So Brett Doucette is what is now considered the first success story for the MAC Fund. We love success stories. Absolutely. Yes. He is married, has a beautiful little girl, and is doing just excellent in life. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, share with us how, how critical it is. I mean, we understand in the story that you just shared, but um, how critical is it to have a, a MAC Fund, if you can elaborate on that? The MAC Fund, as John McLaughlin often likes to, to say, is critically important and would probably not survive in another state, in another city. We have so many people that are so dedicated and have been dedicated to almost 47 years in helping the MAC Fund. A large percent, almost 82% of our monies that we raise comes directly from events, from donors, from supporters, from volunteers. So we are extremely dependent on all of our volunteers, all of our events that we hold throughout the course of the year to raise money. And ironically, through, through the pandemic, we had one of our most successful years ever in the almost 47-year history of the MAC Fund. Really? Um, we had contributed at that point over $5 million that year, again, which is the most in MAC Fund history. Wow. And so who does the MAC Fund give to then? So the MAC Fund primarily gives to four entities, Children's Wisconsin, Medical College of Wisconsin, the UW Carbone Cancer Center, and more recently, Marshfield Clinic. And all of the monies that the MAC Fund raises go specifically to research. Okay. And does the research have a global impact? The, across the state, across the nation, across the world. So the, the, the research that MAC Fund helps fund Doctors from the MAC Fund Center talk to other doctors. It's, we don't hold it in, in a silo, in a, in, a, in a vault where we don't share or they don't share um, their findings. So we, we want to help kids not only, again, in southeastern Wisconsin, but everywhere. So if, you can, if they can collaborate, that's what they do. Absolutely. You have something great, and why not share it with the masses so that the impact is that much more Great. Absolutely. Right? Well, does the MAC Fund support anything other than research then? We only support research. Okay. And we, we often get calls regarding donating gift cards or gas or helping pay electric bills. We do not support any of that. It all goes directly to research. Okay. How then do you generate money? You know, you, you talk about the funding. You know, obviously you need the funding to support the research. How do you get the funding? Events. We are an event-driven organization. Okay. So we benefit anywhere between 75 and 100 events throughout the course of the year. Some of the events... 75 to 100 yes. every year? Every year. Wow. Okay. And, and we are a small staff. We are, we are a staff of five. And you're very busy, apparently. We are extremely busy. <laughs> I'm truly blessed to do what I do. I have an amazing staff that works tirelessly because we know what we're, what, why we're doing what we're doing. You're blessing other people. Uh, tremendously. And so that's wonderful. I, just just give us an idea, a small sampling of some of the different events. Don't you have like the Candy Cane Lane that's very successful? That is actually coming up. A colleague of mine is, is working diligently on that. We've got tree wrapping coming up. That is That event is successful because of all of the, the volunteers that live in the area. 
we are extremely dependent and grateful for all of the volunteers that want to help us, that call us, that email us, wanting to help in some capacity. Candy Cane Lane is an all-volunteer organization. They stand outside in rain, sleet, snow, sub-zero temperatures, standing on a corner and collecting money from the passers-by who are enjoying the lights. Mm. And the majority of the money that we raise comes from donations of a dollar, 50 cents, 75 cents. And we broke a record during the pandemic of over $200,000, all from change, all from single bills, $5 bills that, again, people come through and and donate. It matters. It matters if you're donating a dollar or 50 cents. Absolutely. And we say that to kids, too, that that walk in our doors, um, come in with a mom or or dad and say, well, we just did a lemonade stand and we, we only raised $7. It's not only. Yeah, seven dollars is seven dollars. That seven dollars may be the key to finding a cure yeah. or advancing research. Yeah, everything is important. Absolutely. Well, then explain how Children's Wisconsin, the Mac Fund Center, and the Mac Fund work together. So the the Mac Fund, as I said earlier, we raise money for the research done in. Medical College of Wisconsin, the Mac Fund Center, which translates into helping the kids in the Mac Fund Center over at Children's. So myself, Lauren, a few others are, are very uh, intertwined in what we all do and how we collaborate and talk to each other. We all know what's going on at any given time. We meet on the mo- monthly basis to know how we can help and support each other and what impact the research is having on a child. Um, advancing the research within the Mac Fund Research Center. You're working together for a common goal. Um, can you give a specific example of how research has impacted a child's life? So uh, an example that I'm going to give, it's very heartfelt, um, how the research was impacting her life, um, but unfortunately the, the research was not far enough advanced and um, unfortunately could not save this little girl's life. So this story is very, very near and and dear to me and gives us an example of how quickly these children have to grow up. So a little girl had come into my office, Ken's, goodness, probably six years ago, and she's looking around my office and she sees pictures of my dogs. I've got two chocolate labs. And she says to me, "Well, well, where are your kids? And I said, oh, hon, I said, I don't have kids. I said, but I've got two dogs. And she said, well, where are they? Can I play with them? And I said, I can't. She goes, well, who who keeps you company during the day and on a daily basis? Hmm. She's young. She's a young, but she has gone through a lot. She had a brain tumor. They grow up so fast because, as Lauren said in your earlier segment, there's things that you need to talk about with these children that they need to understand as to the why behind, why they're going through and the treatments and what they need to know about as well. So a couple days later, a colleague of mine says to me, are you going to be in the office the next morning? Which is an odd question because I am always in the office. I am always, always in the office. But 8.15 that morning, I hear the front door open. And there Ken's is, standing with her mom, with a present in her hand. And when she left my office that day, the couple days prior, 
Her favorite store was the American Girl store in down in Chicago. She had asked her mom if her mom could take her down to Chicago because she knew there was a stuffed chocolate lab down there. And she wanted to give it to me so I had a company in my office. Oh. To have a little girl think about doing that with everything that she was going through. To this day, that dog still sits on my desk with the wrapping paper and the box. Ken's lost her battle a couple of years ago. That's why we do what we do. So we we do the research to honor those that we have lost. Yeah. And to see this little girl and what she had gone through and the battle she fought through almost her entire life. That's why we don't stop. That's yeah. why we don't give up. Yeah. We have to keep going. Yeah. To honor those that we've lost, the angels that we are looking down on us. Yeah. And I would say that you not are not childless. You have a lot of children that you have mothered over the years. I am blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's quite a story. Um, this story should tell us all just how important our donations are, that they'll fund more research so that we have greater outcomes in the future, uh, like Evie's story that was shared, and that we can support the angels, as you say, that have gone before. Um, it's time for a quick commercial break, but when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Becky. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations, and I'm continuing my conversation today with Becky Pinter, President and CEO of the MAC Fund. So, Becky, you talked to us about Mackenzie's journey in the last segment. Um, very emotional. I appreciate you sharing sharing that. But I think what's important is um, maybe talk about what you've learned uh, through experiencing or walking along the journey with Mackenzie and her family. So this was extremely Kenza's journey and the fact that her mom, um, Courtney, who I am dear friends with, was open and willing to share her journey. Not only with myself, but with the community, with other um, cancer families. As Lauren said again, too, in your earlier segment, it's not about the patient. It is also about the mom, the dad, siblings, the entire family, going through this journey with them. I have learned that there are great days and there are not so great days. There are days where you find a lot of hope and think that treatment is looking up and um, unfortunately knowing what the outcome is going to be, but hopeful that it may change because they're doing so so good on a, on a certain day. Understanding and wrapping your head around 
that more research is in fact needed to help kids like Ken's survive. The neuroblastoma, the cure rate is very dismal at this point. So we need more, more funding, more research to go into looking for a cure for neuroblastoma. We can't support our researchers and our research without funding. The researchers that we have in the MAC Fund Research Center are phenomenal. But in order to continue to move forward with progress, unfortunately, it's always about the, the bottom dollar. Mm-hmm. More money needs more research, which means a possible cure, advancing the research that's already been done, and hoping later kids like Ken's, kids like Isla, will in fact survive or have a better outcome or a better chance of survival. Yeah. yeah. And and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunately McKenzie's um, uh, outcome was not uh, what had been hoped for by her family. But I think, you know, we talked uh, during commercial break here about what Mackenzie has taught us, right? And what the doctors have learned from her journey. And she's a contributor to the goal that you both have. And nothing, um, you know, the, the pain was turned into purpose and not to minimize the pain in any way, because I cannot even imagine. But to understand that it, that pain was used for a, a a great purpose of ultimately ending childhood cancer. So Kansas parents donated Kansas tissue to hopefully help researchers, help them see something to help, again, advance research. I know that's what they wanted to do. To this day, so Kansas parents established a uh, Brave Like Mackenzie fun to honor her, to, to celebrate her. I personally learned a lot from Ken's. I imagine. I imagine. As I'm sure others have. Absolutely. Yeah. She touched a lot of people, I'm sure. The wisdom that a young child has and the outlook on life, knowing what her outcome is, you have to take a step back at times because things really aren't that bad. You have an eight-year-old who had a lot of life ahead of her. Graduating high school, graduating college, getting married, having a family of her own. Mm -hmm. Her parents had that dream for her as well. I remember um, her mom posting a video of Ken's standing in front of the mirror singing to a a Taylor Swift song. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you would never have noticed or guessed that there was anything wrong with her. Because she had so much spunk, so much life. And to see that taken away at such a young age is heartbreaking. Yeah. When you save a child's life uh, from cancer, you save 70, 80, maybe even 90 years of life. And that's what was stolen from Ken's. Mm. And so that's why we do what we do. We we try to find new cures. And I will say, um, 
to Becky's point, it's a lot about funding, unfortunately, because every year our scientists are these genius physicians and scientists and doctors submit, you know, many, many um, uh, ideas for clinical trials, but we have to choose the top few Mm. because there's not enough funding to go around to study all of them. Well, and and you mentioned a number of the ways that you do uh, raise funds, uh, which is critical. So audience, pay attention to some uh, opportunities for you to get involved and contribute to the cause, which we'll share at the end of the uh, segment how you can do that. But uh, Becky, is there is there any kind of oversight of MAC fund pledges to ensure that the money is being used for research and that progress is being made? Absolutely. We do have a scientific advisory board that is comprised of outside doctors and researchers um, that come on a biannual basis and interview the doctors and researchers over at the hospitals, over at Children's Wisconsin uh, Medical College of Wisconsin, UW Carbone Cancer Center, and most recently Marshfield Clinic. And they report back to our board to make sure and ensure that the monies that MacBun has contributed to those entities are in fact being used and put to good use and research is being advanced. So yes, that there is, and the oversight is not dictated by Mac Fund or Mac Fund Board or, or Children's. It's an independent group that comes in and, and takes care of this for us. Okay, so how can the Mac Fund then continue? I mean, you look at your history and you've made great strides in uh, contributing uh, to the fight against pediatric, pediatric cancer and blood-related blood disorders. But how can you continue? to make that big impact? Volunteers, sponsors, donors, showing up to events, participating in events, uh, planned giving, putting us in, in your will. Again, MacFun is all, all about raising money for research. And without research, we won't see the positive inco- outcomes continue to move forward and continue to see that increase in survivorship. Okay. And then tell us how best the audience can get connected. Audience can go to our Facebook page, MacFund, hashtag MacFund, or our website, MacFund.org. There is a bunch of information on our both our Facebook pages and our website. The most impactful way is to volunteer, or you can, you can hold an event as well. As I was sharing with you off on the break, we've had parents come in, moms come in with their child saying, well, the, the child just did a lemonade stand and we only have $7. That $7 could be the $7 that could possibly find a cure. Every little bit helps. Absolutely. And to the awareness, making people aware of who we are and what we do and knowing that we don't give for games, for entertainment, for gas cards, to pay for something. It's for research to help find a cure. Well, again, wow, just a a, a great interview, learned a lot, heard some uh, stories of impact and and inspiration. And I just hope that the listening audience um, has been moved, but also moved to the point of action. You know, what is it that you can do? 
I want to thank my guest today, Becky Pinter, President and CEO of the MAC Fund, and Laura Ju- Lauren Giuliani from Children's Wisconsin MAC Fund Center. A big thank you to both of you for all you do to make a difference for kids with cancer and their families. So thank you both for participating in our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out to the MAC Fund or Children's Wisconsin directly. They can help uh, direct you to the right resource. And if you know of a great organization doing great work, like our guest today, uh, that you think would be a great guest for our show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Tune in next Sunday morning at 10 to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community a great place to work and play. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows or you can listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. Our guests have shared today many ways that you can make a difference for a child and their family going through the numerous challenges of pediatric cancer. Do some research on other nonprofits as well that are contributing to the cause. They're all working together for a common goal. So whether that's by donating, volunteering, or advocating for any of these great organizations, you'll be part of contributing to that goal of ending childhood cancer. Any way that you choose to make that difference, I'm sure would be appreciated. So find a way to be a blessing to someone, which will ultimately give a blessing in a multitude of ways. Thank you for listening today and have a great day.